Hey friends, Ashton here, and welcome back to another episode of Good, True, and Beautiful. Hope you and yours are doing well. We are joined today uh, by a beautiful soul that I've uh, watched his work for now well over two decades. Uh, First piece of work that really crossed a lot of our paths was Wild at Heart. You've probably read that uh, or familiar with it. His latest work is called Get Your Life Back, Everyday Practices for a World Gone Mad. Our dear friend Aaron McHugh is the one that was able to kind of connect us and tee up this conversation. And let me tell you guys, um, I have powered through this latest book, uh, Get Your Life Back, and it's been a life-giving read. Uh, I've used it personally, in my family, in my business, and uh, I'm just super excited to get to have John Eldridge at the Good, True, and Beautiful table today. So John, welcome to the podcast. Yeah, thank you, Ashton. Um, love the name of your podcast, by the way. What what caused you to pick that? Uh, you know, um, goodness, I, I think the further I started digging in to uh, the contemplative side of our faith tradition, uh, I really found that uh, all of us are coming at goodness, truth, and beauty when we cultivate the divine in our lives. And so... Um, I just was like, that's what this is about. The podcast used to be called Let the Music Play, and it was a little too Enneagram 4 metaphorical for people. I was trying to help people make music with their lives, relationships, and businesses. And then finally, I was like, (laughs) here's what I'm trying to say. You're after goodness, truth, and beauty, and you have capacity for goodness, truth, and beauty. So that's why we're here. Yeah, I love it. It's a good title. <laughs> well, um, thank you so much for your generosity for coming on today. Uh, for maybe some of our listeners that haven't been familiar with your work in the world, when you kind of introduce yourself and your story uh, and that work, where do you begin? Well, uh, I've been a Christian therapist for 30 years. Um, so deep in the lives of people, deep in the work of restoration and uh I'm a writer, and obviously we talked about Wild at Heart. That book has rescued a lot of guys, uh, a lot of families, a lot of marriages. And so that's kind of what what we're about. I don't have a private practice anymore because um, I kind of got pulled onto a a larger stage, I guess, in my books and conferences and podcasts and the things that we do let me – let me bring that soulful work into a lot of people's lives. So I run a small organization here in Colorado that puts on conferences and makes films and things like that all around the same issues, questions of um, wholeheartedness, joy, freedom, life. Married for 37 years. Wow. Congrats. Yeah. Three, uh, (laughs) Three sons now in their late 20s, all married, all doing great. So very grateful. Beautiful, beautiful. You know, I guess I should have known this, but I didn't know your counseling background. Uh, and And I think that makes so much sense for your work. You've always... You've always been super keen at getting to the thing underneath the thing underneath the thing. And I can't help but think that uh, your counseling background uh, wasn't the kind of thing that really pushed you into always discussing with people and helping them see and experience those things underneath the thing. Yeah, yeah, exactly. 
Yeah, I was uh, I was actually very successful career in in Washington D.C., but I was hating my life. Yeah, and a friend of mine asked me one day. He said, "So when you go in a bookstore, do you read like politics and policy and that stuff?" I said, "No, I never read that stuff." <laughs> he said, "What do you read?" And I'm like, "I read like psychology and and the human soul. I, you know, I, I read I read people on the soul." And he's like, "Dude, you are in the long, wrong line of work." <laughs> So I literally turned around, mid-30s, uh, changed wow. careers, went and got a graduate degree in, in counseling, and because uh, I really was. I was off track. Um, and I, I share that with your listeners because I know that that might, that might speak to somebody. You know, if we don't, if we don't pay attention to what we're wired to do, yeah. uh, and we just listen to what the world tells us or, or maybe what an influential person in our life tells us, you can really – you can get off off in the woods pretty far before you find your life again. Yep, yep, absolutely. Um, when did your writing begin? Uh, and it, did it happen right as you started <clears throat> kind of your counseling career, or was it yeah, shortly thereafter? Yeah. yeah, it was almost it was almost right in there with mm-hmm. it. In fact, it was as I was as I was finishing my degree, my mentor and and uh, supervisor, very very close friend, very dear friend, uh, Brent. Uh, recommended that we try, um, we'd been doing some conferences together and he recommended that we try writing. So my very first book was called The Sacred Romance. Uh, and I wrote that with my colleague Brent, um, even before I got out of grad school. Hmm. Wow. Wow. So it, it, when you found, when you aligned, when your heart and soul aligned in the world, uh, things started to pour out onto the pages. Yeah, it really did. Yeah. <clears throat> it really did. Yeah. In fact, there's a wild moment too. I, I was, uh, I was sitting in, so I'm a young therapist, I'm working nights, I'm doing a marriage uh, session one evening and, and God speaks and I'm trying to pay attention to this couple, but suddenly that God's speaking to me and he says, um, you're only talking to two people right now. I want you to talk to a lot more than that. Hmm. And uh, after the session, I'm like, what was that? <laughs> you, you can't just do that. You can't just, what, what, what was that? And, and then like things really actually like within six months, things really began to change. And, you know, the, the doors began to open to publish more and, and reach, reach more hearts and souls. But wow. it's uh it's a beautiful thing when your life aligns with what God has for you. Yeah, yeah, no doubt, absolutely. Um, and we've all experienced the fruit of that. So um, it's uh, not only is it a gift to you, it becomes a gift to the world around you. Um, all right, well, let's get talking about get your life back. So um, I love this, by the way. It was, it was, it's been so helpful. Um, I, uh, speaking of beauty, I mean, the book is full of beauty, uh, grounding ourselves and our lives in beauty. Um, why get your life back? Why write this book? I mean, I, I realize here we are in the midst of COVID-19 It's probably pretty clear why. Um, but surely there's some backstory, uh, from when you felt like this was the next thing you needed to put into the world. Yeah, right. Cause I, you know, obviously wrote this before the pandemic, um, and it actually, it, it came out in February before things really blew up. And I just, I see the kindness of God in that for a lot of people, because mm-hmm. as you're discovering, it helps, 
um, what happened, uh, Ashton is that I, I, I got fried by the world. I, I was trying to keep pace and I love to get stuff done. So I'm kind of a, you know, charge the hill guy. And I was flying, I was living and living this at the speed of light, like everyone else in the world and just running from one thing to another and way too much time online, way too much technology. And, and I didn't like what it was doing to my soul. Uh, I'm a pretty resilient person, but it was just frying me. And, and I noticed that I stopped, I started abandoning things that, that actually like restore my soul. I wasn't riding my mountain bike anymore. I wasn't, I wasn't reading, um, b- actual books, you know, it's reading tons of stuff online, but I wasn't reading actual books anymore. I, I, um, we have these darling little grandchildren now. And the thing that really caught my attention was I could only play with them for about five minutes before I wanted to check my phone again. Well, like, you know, did a text come in, check the news, check my email. So I was just, I was a victim of the insane world that we all inhabit and try and call normal. And it's not normal and it's not good for human beings. And so didn't even intend to write a book. I just went to go get my life back. I'm mm-hmm. like this, I, I, I can't, I can't live like this. And I want more joy. I want more margin. I want more. I literally want more of like my head back. Mm-hmm. My head was so spun up in news and 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 information and all that that I just thought, man, I I'm not a human being anymore. I'm trying to live like a smartphone. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When was there a moment when the pain exceeded the pleasure? Like, did you have that? I can't do this oh, yeah. anymore. What What was oh, that yeah. for you? Oh yeah, full on full on. Yeah. I would just, I realized I would just get home in the evenings pretty much fried. And, and again, not fried by bad things, Mm -hmm. fried by, fried by success, fried by lots of stuff going on, fried by, you know, keeping ahead of the the curve, you know? Um, and I didn't like it in, and, uh, I noticed something else. I noticed I started reaching more for relief than for restoration. Mm. So, you know, it's the extra glass of wine, it's too much to eat, it's uh, binge watch, you know, Netflix. And I, I started noticing my patterns in the evening because I was so spun up from the world was just give me some relief. And and there's a very big difference between relief and restoration because the things that we do to reach for relief um, – you don't feel better afterwards, you know, after a bag of donuts, like it's a, it's awesome when you're, you know, cramming them down your face, but, but when you're done, you don't feel better. And, and, you know, I can sit and watch hours of my, you know, global soccer and, and hunting shows and stuff, but I don't feel better after, but you compare that with take a run, take a mountain bike ride, listen to some music, you know, afterwards you're like, Oh man, I'm, I'm better. I'm restored. Yeah, yeah. And so like just to name the difference between relief and restoration, you know, for your listeners to think about if you're reaching more often for relief than you do for the things that actually bring restoration, you you are spun up. Mm-hmm. You are not in a good place. Yeah. Beautiful. Beautiful. Very well said. <laughs> 
Restoration is greater than relief. Um, the the book is the the whole thread that runs through Get Your Life Back really is grounded in this in this one minute pause. Um, and you even turned it into an app. And as I shared with you before our recording here, uh, I've used this within my own life. My wife is using it. In laws, my family members, my uh, real estate teams. Um, I believe in this. And and while I've started my mornings for the last handful of years in kind of a twenty minute contemplative sit, um, I I didn't realize how necessary this was more than just right out of the gate that we can actually have a one minute pause in our day to hand things over, to surrender and to let go. Talk to me about the one minute pause, when, when this became a practice for you and kind of how you arrived at it. Yeah. <clears throat> yeah. Um, because Jesus said, John, you never stop. You just go. And it's meeting to meeting, phone call to phone call. I wouldn't pause between phone calls. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you, you just hang up and you make, make the next call. You finish answering one text, you answer another, or you send one, you know, <clears throat> and it's that pace. And so God just said, John, I just want you to try pausing during your day. And it, it literally began in the evenings for me. I pull in the driveway at the end of my day, turn my truck off, but I didn't have to jump out. I didn't have to go straight into the house. I can sit there for 60 seconds. And as I sat there and just did nothing, just sit there. I could feel the stress like just draining out of my body. And, and then I would begin to pray. And the prayer is, Jesus, I give everyone and everything to you. I give everyone and everything to you. And I would just sit there in my truck. And it was so, it was a rescue. It, it was restoration, not relief. It, it was such a rescue that I began to share it with friends. Our team began to do it. <clears throat> and like you said, it's, it's great to do something in the morning and, and we can circle back around to that. But, you know, my strong recommendation is that you don't check your technology first thing in the morning. Yeah. Like yeah. Just let yourself be a human being, make a cup of coffee, say your prayers, you know, look out the window. But like you were saying, Ashton, you get into your day by 10 o'clock, you're spun up. Yeah. Come on. Yeah. It, by noon, you're fried. Yep. And so learning to pause in the day and learning to make use, good use of the pause, um, yeah, caused us to build the app. And and here in the pandemic, we're getting a thousand downloads a day because people are yeah. uncertain and and concerned and watching way too much news. And, and so that's helping people like reset reset turn your attention back to god give everything to him and, and it's it's wonderful beautiful it was one of my favorite chapters uh, allowing for transitions and you know i'm a guy that every day is moving from deal to deal client to client next thing next thing and yep. uh the sentence that just kind of sucker punched me or, or phrase was loosening our grip on efficiency. Um, yes. I don't know. You you sound like you've got some Enneagram three four in you. I I, I don't know. Uh, but talk to me about your because threes we're always produce, create, do it, build it, uh, scale it. Um, talk to me about loosening our grip 
on efficiency and how necessary that posture is for uh, even being aware that we need a pause multiple times in our days. Yeah. Yeah. The world told, uh, the world made efficiency the highest value, <laughs> right? Yeah. Do more and do it faster. And, and that's just, I mean, literally just watch the, the, you know, the generation of the iPhone, you know, yeah. from 2007 to now and what it is able to do. Well, that conditions you like, this is the world you live in. This is the Kool-Aid you're drinking every day. And, and it conditions you to think more and faster is better. Hmm. And, and I'm here to tell you that is a horrible set of values. It's, it's horrible. Just cause just look at the effect of that on, on your kids. If you're a parent, yeah. <clears throat> If you try and demand more and faster from your kids, you will harm them. And, and so then you turn around and you go, well, what am I doing to my own soul then? Mm-hmm. You know, and the things that we require of ourselves. So just, you know, exalting efficiency as the great goal and scaling and maximizing. I know, I know it sounds like the best thing, but Jesus gave you a really great, simple tool he said you shall know them by their fruit bingo bingo what's the fruit what's the fruit of it friends i mean it's horrible is it love peace patience (coughs) kindness (laughs) (laughs) exactly yeah or is it more success retweets a packed schedule more places to be um yeah yeah Beautiful North Stars and the Fruits of the Spirit, um, yep. which, I, which I think kind of, when, when you talk about watch, watch what you're doing to others, watch what you're asking of your children, there was a kind, I think one of your chapters was a kindness towards ourselves. Uh, the sentence there that got me was, the way you treat your own heart is the way in the end you'll end up treating everyone else's. Talk, talk, yeah, talk like to me that. about that. We don't like that. And we fight that. People say, no, 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 no. You don't understand. You know, I'm, I'm hard on myself. I demand a lot. You know, I'm kind of a perfectionist, but I, I, I don't do that to other people. And I want to say, but they see it. Mm-hmm. They yeah. feel when they're around you. You know, again, if, if you're a parent, your kids pick it up. They pick up the value. Like, Wow dad or mom you know you're a real perfectionist and so i guess i ought to be too and and then they start feeling like a failure and that sort of thing the way you treat your own soul if you don't know how to pause if you don't know how to transition between things if you don't know benevolent detachment you don't know how to let it go care for your soul you will everybody around you is going to breathe that you know, you're bringing that into the room, folks. You're bringing that into the meeting. Absolutely. Um, let's talk about benevolent detachment. Loved this. Uh, and before uh, our listeners think, uh-oh, John and Ashton have jumped off into New Age terminology. Um, talk to me about benevolent detachment. I think there was a uh, Augustine quote. Where is it here? Um, we must empty ourselves of all that fills us so that we may be filled 
with what we are empty of. Um, talk to me about cultivating space, emptying ourselves so that then we can receive this longing, this love that we're all after. Right, exactly. Um, There's a lot of different ways to look at it. 1 Peter 5, 17, cast all your cares upon the Lord because he cares for you. We're not really good at that. Um, there's, there's very few people that are good at that. We, we don't, we carry stuff. And I, I think most people in the modern moment are actually under empathy overload. Mm. Um, so you just know too much. Your, mm. your Joel does this. You're, you're just aware, you're aware of way too much trauma in people's lives. You're, you're way too plugged into the world. You're, um, <clears throat> there was a British anthropologist Dunbar, who did the fascinating historical survey uh, of what what is the size of community that human beings were designed to live in, and he's he's got this famous thing called Dunbar's number, and it's 150, 150 people. That's <clears throat> that's the software that we've got. That's the software, literally the size <laughs> of your cerebral cortex. Like it, you are you are wired. So when you start dumping the global news yeah. you know the 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 shooting you know the the refugee crisis in syria the earthquakes in turkey the wildfires in australia you know how many people have died in hong kong this week of of covid-19 you start dumping that onto your soul it's brutal folks it really is you were never meant to carry that only god is omniscient we, we were not meant to be. Um, and so benevolent detachment is a very, very scriptural practice. And, and it's something the Desert Fathers made a great deal of, yeah. that you have got to learn to let things go yeah. and literally turn it over. You know, the first Peter 5 idea, of, I've got to turn this over to God. Um, and not once a month. Uh, but on a regular basis. And so that's what I use the pause for. There's a lot of uses for the pause, but the pause for me, the primary use is I stop and let it go. You know, and I just go, wow, that phone call I just got off of, um, man, I'm so upset. I just let it go. And that news report I just heard, I can't believe that person just said that. I let it go. And, and, the 16 things that I know I have to get done by the end of the day, I got to let it go. And again, you should know them by their fruit. The fruit of this is so wonderful because what, what had happened was I couldn't even hear what Stacy was trying to say, what my wife was trying to say to me in the morning. You know, my head would already be so full of stuff and, and I'd already be so into the day and into the matrix. I can't even pay attention to my wife. Like, that's not good. And so benevolent detachment is the practice, and and the prayer literally goes like this, Jesus, I give everyone, and I give everything to you. And and you kind of learn to just sit with that. Mm -hmm. I give everything and everything to you. And as you do that, back to Augustine, what you're doing is you are making room in your soul God and and 
that's what our you, you know you were saying that's what our soul craves that's your soul is meant to be nourished and filled with the presence of god not with the latest news report and so you've got two choices right now the world will fry you i guarantee it and god will restore and renew and strengthen so you've got to kind of dump one to get the other Yeah, Um, you write that the invitation here is an unburdened life. Um, That that little that phrase of an unburdened life was uh, really spoke to me because I can I know my days where I'm burdened, and I know my days. I I, it's like a bodily difference. I can feel it uh, at the soul cellular level at the same time of like. Oh my, the eyebrows a little crunched. I'm a little too serious over, you know, everything's a big deal versus moving into the flow, handing these things over minute by minute, hour by hour. I've even noticed myself saying this prayer, like while I'm still in bed, while, uh, versus typically kind of going through, putting sticky notes in my mind of going, I need to call that person, return that email, set that appointment. Now I'm, I'm seeing that this is a muscle that the more we use it, the more it actually becomes kind of our, like the bass note, the rhythm that we stay in in tune with. Um, and I just, I kind of offer that, I'd say thank you for giving me this, the, the invitation of an unburdened life, but also offer it to our listeners as um, you'll feel it. You'll get a sense of a different type of rhythm, uh, one of restoration, the more you can, learn to engage this prayer on a minute-by-minute, hour-by-hour basis. Yes, that's, be- that's beautifully said. Um, talk to me about this idea that God doesn't like to shout. I loved that sentence, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> well, okay, so the great, <clears throat> the war right now is for our attention. That's, that's the last piece of real estate that is unclaimed in the world. Everything else has been bought. But your attention is the thing that is being fought over. And, and the assault on, on our attention is so constant and so clever. It's so well done that um, God, God's not going to compete with that. He, he wants your attention, but he's not going to keep, you know, scaling his game to keep up with, you know, Slack and Facebook and, and Instagram and all the stuff that's going on in your world. He's just not going to do that. Um, and, and so Psalm 1, and you look at the, the two types of human beings described in Psalm 1, there's, oh, there are these luscious people that... They are described as so evergreen, their leaves never wither, and they prosper in everything they do. And I honestly, I read that and I just go, you're kidding me. I want that life. <laughs> yes. And those people are able to give God their attention. That's, they, it says they meditate, they focus on, they linger with the Word of God, the presence of God. They're contrasted with chaff. People in the world that are so fried, so spun up, so strung out, they're like chaff. 
and and the next piece of bad news, the next crisis, the next puff of wind blows them away. And the difference is your attention. Who has your attention? And and God God won't play that game. He will he will let like he did with me. He'll let you get pretty cooked. And t- until you realize that that is not, there's no life in that. I, c- I can't even play with my grandkids. This is crazy. And so as, then we begin to turn back and, and give God our attention again. And it's nourishing and it's life-giving and it's peaceful and it's, it's instructive. I mean, he's got all kinds of stuff he wants to say to you and you need you need guidance. You need direction. You need you need answers to a lot of things, and and so the Psalm one choice is: I will linger with, I will give my attention to God, so I can be that tree. And they're described as rooted in a river bank. And their roots go down, and they're just constantly nourished. Mm. Beautiful. The evergreens. That's who we want to be. Yeah. Um, um, yeah. The 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 word. So 2019, my wife and I's words were simple and quiet, um, and that was kind of the vision cast over our lives and relationships and businesses. But even just hearing you reflect on this, the divine uh, communicates simply and quietly, and won't scream. Will wait for us. Um, yep. <clears throat> yeah. Still small voice. Still small voice. Right. That's right. I mean, That's right. it wasn't in the earthquake. He wasn't in the storm. You know, he wasn't in the drama. Now, God will use the drama. I mean, God is using the pandemic to get people's attention. The world is yeah. shaken. Yeah. And and He will use that when we are shaken. Uh, we need we need a solid rock, and He will use that. But He doesn't like to be forced to use pain, crisis, heartache. Those, are, those actually aren't his preferred tools. It's just if we force him to no further, you know, there's no options, then yes. You know, Psalm, Psalm 119, before I was afflicted, I went astray, but now I pay attention to your word. You know, he will use the affliction if that's what it takes, but it's not his preferred means. So the question isn't, is the divine, is God available? The question is, are we? <laughs> oh, I know. That's it. And that was exactly it. <laughs> Ashton, I would, honestly, I would get home at the end of my day. I would start my day with God. Yeah. I, I, I really would. I would. I would center. I would, it would be great. And then, you know, by 10 o'clock, I'm so blown out. And, and by 6 o'clock, I'm just, you know, fried, spun up, strung out at the end of the day. And I'd sit in my truck and I'd begin to practice the pause. And suddenly, like, there's the presence of God again. And honestly, my reaction was, where have you been all day? (laughs) To which he responded, where have you been? (laughs) Exactly. Yeah. 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 Um, Well, you know, I can't let a chapter go by called Drinking Beauty uh, at Good, True, and Beautiful Podcast without chatting about this a bit. You talk about a river near your home, a practice that you have uh, of no matter the season, kind of just going and 
allowing the water to run over your fingertips. Um, very wild at heart, this chapter was. Uh, talk to me about why, how, uh, what it looks like to drink in beauty. And I think we're all kind of doing it right now, you know, taking walks around the block that we didn't do at one o'clock, you know, two months ago. Um, yep. That this is the place where we pause and receive. Talk to me about drinking beauty. Yeah, beauty, beauty is phenomenal. Beauty is so nourishing. It's so healing that I really am surprised it doesn't make the usual lists mm. of spiritual disciplines or discipleship practices or, or even just, um, you know, the habits of successful people. It's really amazing because the data shows people in hospitals recover quicker, need less pain meds, get out sooner if they simply have a window that looks on nature. You're like, they're not even in it. I mean, no. they're, they're, but if they can just look at it, yeah. they, can be, they can be healed by it. And so what I'm suggesting is the, the power of beauty to nourish the haggard soul, the soul that is assaulted by this world that we live in, um, is, is something so rich and so wonderful that let's make a practice of it. Like literally daily, we go, I need beauty today. Mm. Where's beauty today? And, you know, it might be first thing in the morning. It's it's don't check your phone, make a cup of coffee, look out the window, watch the sun come up, listen to the songbirds, something, you know, look at the frost on your window pane. Or it's in the evening, it's music. You're going to go, we're just going to close our laptops and we're just going to play some music in the house. So we're just going to let the music wash over us. Or um, when you're out on your walk, notice the simple beauty notice the small things right the flowers coming up in your neighbor's yard or um, just the way the sunlight is hitting tree bark like the soul's capacity mm -hmm. your five senses to take in beauty is so exquisite and it's so nourishing that that we could it's free <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you, you make that argument. Hey, you don't have to get on a plane and go to a five-star resort. This is this is coming in through the window, laying over your room. Just take in the rays. Take in the frost. Receive it. Yeah. Receive it. Yeah, and here's the difference, yeah. Ashton. Here's what I'm suggesting. I think a lot of people notice the beauty. They go, oh, wow, what a, what a pretty sunset. But literally for like six seconds, maybe less, they just look and they go, uh, and they keep going. Yeah. What I'm what I'm saying is pause and let it in, like with gratitude. I drink it. Thank, drink it. I receive yeah. this. Thank you, Father, for for this beauty. I receive it for the gift it is. I let it nourish my soul. Beautiful. Drink beauty. I love it. Um I feel like I could do this all day with you, by the way. I feel like we could riff right? back and forth. We could. <laughs> um, for, we could. For, uh, for our listeners that are hearing this and kind of going, all right, I get it. We're, I'm going to get a copy of the book. What would you offer as maybe a first simple step? Is it the one-minute pause? What, what would you suggest 
for the state of so many of us right now that are in kind of uh, navigating waters we've never had to before. What's a small, yeah. simple step that we can all take to get our lives back? Well, I download the app. Yeah, yeah. Because it's it's free, um, and it it will help you enter into the practice. So the app's called the One Minute Pause. iPhone, Android. It's free on the App Store because it will guide you into it. And and there's beautiful music, beautiful imagery, very simple prayer, um, because it'll help you get there. But I, I would add in this in this pandemic right now, um, I would say please regulate your news, yeah. your news intake, yeah. um, because it, it it is so tempting to try try and figure out what's going on, get ahead of it, what's going to happen. Um, but God is actually in the uncertainty right now. Hmm. This is this is a fascinating thing, Ashton. Nobody knows. They, they, there's a lot about the virus we frankly don't know. And, and there's a lot about what the economy, the global economies are going to do that even the best don't really know yet. And, and if you spend too much time on the news, that will cook you. And so I'm, I'm recommending moderate your news intake, learn to do the pause, and then the book will guide you through some other things like beauty and caring for neglected things in your soul, etc. Um, that'll get you there. That'll get you started. Yeah. Yeah. Beautiful. Well, guys, I hope, um, this little snippet of dialogue has, uh, uh, rattled your cage a bit and you've heard, um, just how good, true and beautiful these words are. Uh, if there's a way to support your local bookstore and go get a copy of this, please do. Of course, Amazon is always available. Um, John, I hope you hear the sincerity from me that uh, uh, I am super grateful for your good and necessary work in the world, and uh, I hope one day I can drink in some beauty with you. I don't know how, but yeah. my senses are we're going to do it one day. Yeah, that would be wonderful, <laughs> Ashton. Thanks thanks for a rich conversation. Thanks for um, making some space for this. Absolutely. Uh, for our listeners, where would you send them to follow you in your work online? So our organization is called Ransomed Heart. We are the ransomed ones. So ransomedheart.com will get you there. Beautiful. Uh, you guys make sure you go check it out. Um, John, grace and peace, sending it your way. And uh, hope you have a great rest of spring and into the summer of 2020. Guys, make sure you go get uh, a copy of Get Your Life Back. It will be a beautiful read, a page turner, and... Uh, you will have restoration in lieu of relief. John, thanks so much for joining us. Yeah, Ashton, I'm, I've been honored to do it. Cheers. Cheers.